Hey, good to be back with you coaches. Coming at you today with a brand new episode on the Coach Podcast. I'm your one of your hosts, Jared Medlin. And I'm Eric Voris, still here. And with us, it's rare that we get this guy. He's a busy, busy man. The one and only, the legend, Dustin Tappen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good this to be is, here. There we go. <laughs> good to be here. Yep. Thank you for having me. Dustin, before we get into the content or what we want to talk about today, we also want to get to know you, the mystery behind the legend. What's life looking like for you? Because word on the street is your uh, your living situation is untenable. Yeah. Um, I actually don't feel like it's much of a mystery, like my life, because my wife posts most things <laughs> for the stinking world to see, and you could just hop on there if you want to know what's going on. Oh, that's a good yeah, tip. I, I'll give I, her a follow. I often do that to go see, like, what's going on in my world? <laughs> I'll just go to my wife's social pages, and yeah, uh, obvious uh, point of tension right there. Point of, point of tension. <laughs> no, no, no. Sounds very healthy. Yep. Yeah, we're working through it. And uh, yeah, life life in the Tappan family right now is wild uh, and exciting. Yeah, we sold our house about a month ago and are now living in a, uh, it's kind of a home, apartment, condo, townhouse thing. I don't even know how to describe it. We don't have anybody that lives above us. It doesn't share a wall. So it's a freestanding home, but it's pretty tiny. Okay. So rel- relatively tiny. So Like a tiny house? Kind of. I mean, it's a thousand square feet. It's a two-bedroom. And what's fun about it is uh, our kids have to share a bedroom. And <laughs> so son your, your and— teenage kids. Yeah, teenage daughter and son. Brother, 16-year-old yeah. daughter, 13-year-old son. And they're sharing a bedroom, which— I'm sure it's just it, peace it just, and tranquility at all times. There's, I don't. I don't know why. It just feels awesome to put your kids through these these <laughs> painful situations because you know, like eventually they'll look back and be like, "That actually was really cool." Yeah, when they have their right own room now, again. <laughs> yeah, and like 20 years from now, they'll look back and be like, "That was great." So, yeah, we are we're living this nomadic life right now, kind of living out of boxes and like stuffed as much as we can in this t- uh, tiny little house until we uh, can move and get to our next spot, which is uh, under construction right now. And uh, I stink and love it, by the way. I actually would live in an apartment or something like this for all of my years and have no, I would never look back. <laughs> oh. it's, got an, it's got a pool. It's got a hot tub. Somebody else manages it. Oh. It's oh, got a gym and uh, plenty of interesting characters for people watching in an apartment <laughs> just, living. Just believe it. Sit but in your public hot tub. I can tell which you is stories. Just <laughs> a, a person cauldron. Yeah. And just watch people walk by. Plenty to, plenty to discuss, you know, in the nights. So there's, there's all kinds of little <laughs> characters running around there. But I would, I would live in this little home for the rest of my life because there is nothing to manage and take care of. It is gated and guarded and confined and uh, simple. I'm in on simple life. So, which then kind of begs the question, but you're moving to a house that's yeah, going to so, require a lot more maintenance and uh-huh. management. And I'm, I know. Have you thought that through? I know. I did not. Okay. I didn't think it through until right now. And I'm like, all right. See if you could hope the apartment sure how to get out of this. crew might just swing on by and help you out. Not sure how to get out of this deal, but I think we're, we're eventually going to have to move into a home. So, oh, rough Anyways, life. That's our, that's our world right now. Um, Daughter just turned 16 this past weekend. Son's 13 and a half. So, 
So for those coaches out there that have teenage kids, um, we feel like we're in it with you. And for those that don't have kids yet or teenage kids, um, to both minister to and have your own teenage, like they're every, I feel like teenagers are everywhere right now. <laughs> everywhere. You can't escape Wherever them. I go, every day and every night, I'm going to be around teenagers. Pros and cons to that. Yeah, there, there's not a lot of people who would sign up for that. Pros and cons to that, but no, it's fun. It's really I, fun. Well, the, the people listening to this podcast uh, have signed up to spend at least an hour a week uh, with, with teenagers. So they're at least crazy enough to hang with us. And we'll have some fun. Some of my favorite people in the world. Coaches. Yeah, absolutely. We absolutely. love you. We love you, coaches. Thank you for putting up with us and our hot tub stories. I, I want to go up. When you say our hot tub stories, since this is not a visual uh, platform, uh, he means Dustin and Jared's hot tub stories. I tend to uh, abstain out. from the hot tub. Wow. Time out. Wow. We have, we have no story. We have no. no story. He said hot tub stories. So maybe there's an affinity for hot tubs, but it's not like there's always like, yeah, Jared and I meet after work for hot tub time every week. Mm, that's not the way I hear it. <laughs> <laughs> that may or may not happen. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think it just comes down to the fact that I believe hot tubs are glorious and would be in one every single day of my life if I could. That's how great I think they are. And I feel similar about that. And let me just go ahead and shut down any thought that me and Dustin have hot tub time on the regular. Happen. It's, it, okay. Yeah, that's good. You, we'll, <laughs> we'll move the conversation along. But uh, you draw your own conclusions, listeners. Anyway, today, uh, as, as we approach camp season, uh, we've got so much we love about camp season, but something that always, it, it just always comes up as we spend this concentrated chunk of time with students, sort of get them out of their routine, away from everyday life. Uh, these things, we, we usually just call them red flag situations, but these tough conversations, the stuff comes up of what a student's been dealing with, maybe currently, maybe in their past, they've never told anyone, and it comes out at camp, and that's a lot to deal with as a coach. So we wanted to bring in Dustin, who has been doing this longer than some of our coaches have been alive and has a lot of experience. <laughs> that, that wasn't even a dig. That that's was a, not you, a ding. That, yeah, that's, 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 that's an a, like, experience nod, man. Yeah, you are, if I, if I was in a like, well, I don't know what to do with this situation, you are the person I would call, yeah. not just because you're my boss, but because you know what's going on. So Thank you. we wanted to talk, Honored. just help coaches navigate that as we head into camp yep. with the expert himself. Yep. Yeah, so let's be like super clear here. Like when we say, red flag conversations. What do we mean by that, Dustin? Yeah. First, um, genuinely thank you for the opportunity to, to speak on this topic because um, I, do not, I do not and would never consider myself to be an expert in any field for that matter, uh, let alone in um, red flags or what we'll get into today, um, which is mandatory reporting. But yeah, we, we've we've been around a little bit and we've learned a few things along the way. And really, we want to enter into camp season, but we also want to just approach ministry regularly, feeling confident in what we're doing um, because we're talking about people's lives. And in this one instance here regarding red flags, um, this is a tricky one because very rarely, if you've been in one of these modes before, in one of these situations before, you know what I'm talking about, do you feel like you knew what you were doing? You uh, trudged through it, you navigated it somehow, and I'm sure you learned a lot of things, but I think all of us feel pretty inadequate when it comes to handling these. So I'll just summarize it like this, that uh, when we talk about red flag situations, these are 
events, these are conversations, these are um, pieces of information that come your way that would indicate to you, man, there's a, there's a problem uh, that requires more than my attention. So outside of, of just the coach being able to do some coaching, do some mentoring, doing some counseling, giving some advice, a red flag situation would be um, something along the lines of uh, self-harm. A kid indicates Hey, I, I have been, I'm thinking about, I've considered um, some type of self-harm. Um, that's, red, that's a red flag. Um, that's, there's no legal necessity for us to get involved with that, but we put that under the umbre- umbrella of, hey, you know what, but that has to go beyond you as a coach. That just can't stay with you. So red flags are essentially, uh, and I'll, I'll list off a couple more examples, but topics where that, that, that topic should surpass your involvement and yeah. go beyond you. So you should get, you should enlist the help of, um, and what I'll reinforce multiple times is your, uh, your direct staff member, um, pastor, whoever that person may be, that you would enlist their help and um, get them involved with this. That's, that's what the red flag would necessitate. So yeah, you've got self-harm, you've got, um, you know, potential suicidal ideation, you've got, um, and eating disorders would also be like, hey, that's that's going to require some help outside of you as the coach. You've got your your basic um, drug, alcohol um, uh, abuse, and we'd say like if there's if there's a, a student that had a bad weekend and a rough, you know, went to a party. That's really not what I'm talking about with red flag here, but this is a student that's to say. I've I've been getting drunk every weekend for the past you know six weeks. Yep, uh, that's a problem. That's a that's a flag because more than likely a mom and dad doesn't know that. Yeah. Um, drug abuse, of course, is illegal. Um, so is drinking underage. So that's why we put that into the uh, we 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 put that into that umbrella. Um, even though it doesn't mean that every single thing is going to go to mom and dad. This yeah. just means hey, involve staff. Yep. Involve staff as you navigate that. Um, and then the most the most obvious yet the trickiest is abuse, yeah. um, neglect, things that mandatory reporting requires of us. Yeah. So, um, which are which are primarily physical uh, and and sexual abuse and neglect. Those three big ones are the um, the the events that you should have a trigger inside of you. Said I should involve someone. Yep. I need I need to get some help here. So um, I hope that I hope that clarifies it. Yeah, I think that's really clear okay. and really important. Yeah. Uh, what do you use the term? And a lot of our coaches have probably heard it before, but mandatory reporter. Yeah. What do you mean that coaches are mandatory reporters? Yeah. Yeah. Because of the the government um, that we're a part of and the state that we live that we live in, um, our uh, positions as uh, workers directly connected to. Um, anybody under the age of 18 um, places us into a category wherein we are required to notify the authorities when there has been um, uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse, or neglect um, that have taken place. So when that happens, when that has occurred, we're required to notify the authorities, and the authorities are one of two. Um, uh, one, it would be the Department of Child Safety, uh, DCS. Uh, used to be CPS back in the day, but it changed its name. 
So we notify DCS and or we notify the local authorities where that potential or alleged crime took place. So those are the, those are the two and um, uh, those are the two authorities that we are mandated to report to because we work with um, underage uh, adolescents. Yes. So. so even a coach who's a volunteer has been entrusted by our organization and legally falls under that mandatory reporting. They do. They do. Now, we take most of the responsibility. We take the burden yeah. as staff members to to do the notification. Sometimes we'll involve um, coaches in that and staff um, would, would invite them into that if need be. But we, we take the burden of that and make sure that those calls are made. And really the law is written, um, the law is written in such a way that it says that anybody that's, um, that's clued into this information, that's been informed of this information shall ensure that a report has been made. Doesn't necessarily mean that they make it. Yeah. So that's how it's written. So you don't have to be the one that makes it but you have to ensure that it was made. Right. So we kind of own that burden and say, hey, we'll make sure that it's made. Um, now, would a, would a, a coach um, not trust that that's made and then want to want to make a phone call and go directly to, to DCS or the police? Um, that would be their prerogative to do so. We, would not, we could not stop them from doing that. Um, so coaches listening, um, that's, that's why the connection and, and the partnership between staff is so necessary that you are just clarifying, hey, I'm just letting you guys know, here's the information. What do you intend on doing with it? Should be a good question that a coach feels comfortable asking and staff should be should feel comfortable communicating back to them. Hey, here's, here's what we plan on doing. What we never know is what takes place after the fact. Right. We almost never know what the authorities do with the information that we give them. They don't report back to us. They don't tell us. They don't feel it their responsibility to inform us along the way of, of what took place. So more than likely, once you report it, um, we then shift from um, mandatory reporters to coaches. Yeah. Right? We just go back to loving, serving, and ministering to the people that God's put in front of us. Yeah. So, and obviously, when we have sensitive information like that, well, then our, our job as coaches are even that much more necessary. It's really good, really good, really clear. And this is the hard question, but how can we handle these as coaches? How can we handle these red flag conversations both gracefully and really wisely at the same time? Yeah, it is, it is a, a tricky um, reality. You want to handle it well, and it seems like every situation is unique. You might have a way that you handle... Um, uh, a really tough talk with one group of students or one student, and then six months later, a different one happens and you can't handle it the same. So I've found that um, you have to trust your, your intuition. You've got to rely heavily on the spirit that God has given you. And once again, you've got to lean heavily on staff that's been entrusted to support and serve coaches in that regard. So I'd say a couple best practices with regards to um, like, what do we do when there's a, a really tough topic that comes up? And it's one of, it's one of those that I've mentioned. Well, if you're in a group and which is oftentimes where you'd, you'd hear that you're either going to be, be in a group and someone brings that up, or you are going to uh, have a student that pulls you aside and say, Hey, can I talk to you for a minute? 
And those words are like the best words you can hear because you know that you have a breakthrough with a student when they say, hey, can I, can I just catch you for a couple minutes? You know that you're getting somewhere with a student when you get there. And so praise God that you have that opportunity and that responsibility. Yeah. Um, but when there's any type of a red flag situation that I've discussed, the best plan is actually to like slow down whatever that dialogue is in a group setting and then take it offline because they they might disclose information that puts the whole group into an awkward position of knowledge and how to handle that. And most students aren't going to be able to handle their peers' past situations the way that you as an adult will. So you would pause, say, hey, can I pause you there? Can we, can we chat about this after the group or in a couple of minutes and I can catch you or we can, I, can, I can call you? And then the coach can carry on that conversation thereafter and the job of the coach in this circumstance is not to investigate, not to get all of the details and have it all um, explained to them from start to finish. It's just to get enough information that they, they understand, generally speaking, what took place. The staff member then would, would need to be engaged shortly thereafter. Right. And the staff member would, would carry that on and, and do the same thing and say, okay, just tell me once again, what's, what happened? When did it happen? Um, where were you when it happened? Do you have any names? Some of those things. And then we pass that information on to the authorities, um, whether that's the police or, or DCS from that. So, so simply put, when you hear any type of a red flag, it's to minimize the volume of people that are going to hear that. So offline combos are the best. You, uh, so shrink that circle down. You quickly... Like, and by quickly, I mean, don't, you don't wait a weekend. You don't wait a week. You, you get in touch with staff and you let them know what's going on and you get them engaged quickly so that they can be a part of supporting and serving you uh, in that regard. Remembering, remembering not to investigate, um, but really just to gather information. And then whenever you're in doubt, uh, this is like the simple, this is where it, it's really easy for us. Whenever you're in doubt and you're not sure what to do, um, you've got a team around you that can help you with that. So once again, calling, texting, and getting in, in, in touch with your staff to help you so that you don't have to feel the burden of like, ah, I'm not sure if I did the right thing. Well, the right thing is always to share that with staff yep. and let them help that help you because they're also going to require a little help in addition. It, it's just not a one-man thing. Um, all of us need some help with that. So, Man, that's, that's good but heavy stuff. Uh, as we wrap it up, are there any quick like do's, don'ts, kind of just just things for coaches to keep in their mind as they're faced with these situations? Yeah, that's good. I, I, I didn't think about this in advance, but it comes to me right now. Um, and we probably talk about this in some type of a, um, a, a session, a coaching session right, right before camp with our coaches. But um, it, it's really imperative to limit the amount of communication that you have with students regarding these topics um, in like an email, which students don't do emails, but um, text messaging where you're kind of going back about details through that. So I'd keep most of it, most dialogue um, in person, uh, pr preferably on campuses and around or within um, eyesight of other people so that um, you don't have to worry about yourself. That's the safest route is to have those conversations in a public setting. Not that anybody can hear you, but that it, everybody can see you 
one of those things. So I would, I would say that would be really helpful. Yeah. And I think just remembering above all, you're a coach, like your, your identity and your purpose never changed when that student decided to trust you with this information. You're still their coach. And Dustin alluded to it a couple times, but you don't have to turn into the investigator just because the red flag went up and all of a sudden they started sharing sensitive information. You don't turn into a cop in that situation. You remain the coach. And let the student pastor come in. If they need to ask more direct questions, let the student pastor be that person uh, and you maintain that coach, the person who's the, the support the reminder that I'm with you through this, um, that I'm a safe place for you. And the student pastor can really, uh, if there's any more direct question that needs to be asked, like sometimes we have to ask a little bit more direct question or else we have nothing to report. So don't feel the pressure that you need to do that. Uh, our, our staff is regularly talked to about these kinds of things and they should be uh, well-equipped to do that. So be the yeah. coach. Great, great advice. Uh, Dustin, thank you for not only giving some of your time and for letting us make fun of your living situation, but uh, <laughs> for, for just sharing uh, hard-fought, hard-earned years of experience and expertise with this kind of stuff. Um, because as messy as it is, as unfun as these situations are, uh, so many in so many cases they lead to healing and help. Right. And, and, and what that student really needs, even if the process to get there is unpleasant. That's exactly right. That's great. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Awesome. Coaches, thanks for listening. I know uh, these conversations are, it's like you didn't sign up to have these kinds of conversations, but at the end of the day, this comes with the territory. So uh, thank you. And we look forward to a great camp season and keep growing as a coach. You know, we, we say it all the time. We really believe this, no matter how old it gets, when the coach gets better, the whole student ministry gets better. See you next time.